It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in. Third and final hour of the program here on Wednesday morning. Before we give way to Chris McCarthy in South Coast Now, who will be broadcasting live from Lolly's Cafe in Dartmouth. So you'll be able to go down there and hang out with him. You can join him, have some breakfast, and uh, you can also get a Seize the Deal at 11 a.m. Going on sale at SeizeTheDeal.com. Get $50 in certificates to Lollies for just 25 bucks. That goes on sale again at 11 a.m. All right, right now we are joined by a special guest. We have joining us on the line Jacqueline Nunez, who is the owner of the Conjuring House down in Harrisville, Rhode Island. And there was a, there was a fire there in the barn early Monday morning, and we're going to talk with her more about that. Uh, good morning, Jacqueline. How are you? Oh, hold on. I hit the wrong button there. There we go. Now you should be on the air. Good morning, Jacqueline. How are you? Good, Tim. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Likewise, likewise. I wish it was under better circumstances, but the important thing yes. is is every everybody's okay. Everyone is okay. Yes, there was uh, the barn was certainly not occupied at the at the time that the fire ignited and then throughout the fire. So yes, and the house is safe and sound and the rest of the property, neighbors' properties, the uh all the various fire departments did an amazing, astounding job. Um, that night for, for those who haven't been to the house, the barn is, you know, freestanding and it's, it's a distance away from the house. It's a distance away from some of the neighboring homes, but there's a lot of trees around it. And that's a situation that could have turned dangerous pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we are located right up near the road on round top road. And there are a lot of big trees that are surrounding it and a tree like right next to the barn. That is amazing that 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 did not catch fire. Now, the barn itself is a historically significant structure. Yes. Uh, it was built in 1801 by John Arnold and his father, Noah. So very historic barn, and it had been used over the years. Well, uh, the Conjuring House, it had been a working farm for many, many years. So it was used to store equipment. It was a horse barn. Uh, there were three horse stalls in it. I, I know the parent family had, had horses. Norma Sutcliffe had horses, so it has been a, a working barn since uh, since it was built. And and I know that you were in the process of kind of shoring things up in there and and, and refurbishing some things in there uh, when this when this yeah. fire happened. Well, we, and we were at completion on our uh, on our renovations. We started the renovations back in uh, in April, and so it was completed. We were at completion in October, and we were just getting ready to get things set up to prepare it for uh, an event space to host uh, guests for events, whether gallery readings or movie nights, or we would have opened it up if people wanted to have like a, a, a wedding party or something like that. So it was going to be a, a, a multi-purpose event space. 
Well, and, and I know that you don't really look at yourself as the owner of the Conjuring House. You look at yourself as kind of the, the caretaker for it, as kind of the steward of it, uh, because you are the, just the next person in the history of this structure and, and of this yeah. property. So, but talk to us a little bit about how scary that must have been to, to go through a fire breaking out and, and what was going through your mind. Yeah, so just to kind of walk you through what happened, I was home in Boston, and my phone rang at about 8 or 11.20 that night, and it was from my director of operations, Cody Desbians, and of course, a phone call coming in at 11.20 at night is never going to be a good sign. <laughs> so he tells me that the barn is on fire and that the fire department is is on its way, so... I jump in my car and I get down there. I get down there probably a little bit before one on the round top road with a sea of 12 fire trucks and emergency vehicles just swarming, swarming the site. Uh, when I arrived, the, there were no more active flames um, much, but, it, but the fire was still raging and smoke was billowing out and it took... I think it took them about three hours to to extinguish it for good, and then the firefighters from Harrisville remained on site for a few more hours just to make sure that there were still no um, no embers that could recatch. And, and so, what we go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say too, like that—that's an important thing too, because it's not just the 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 flare-up that happens at the beginning; it's the fact that some of these embers could could reignite if if uh, yeah. if they're not all completely put out. That's right. That is absolutely right. So, um, I mean, the one thing that I'm very that I'm very proud of when I when I decided to renovate the barn, I I kind of did it in a backwards way. I wanted to keep the uh, the interior structure, its rustic historic um, aesthetic. I wanted to keep that, and so what I did was I insulated and did things from the outside. So just the way that we built it and the craftsmen and trades that built it, I was told by the building inspector that next day that if we had not built the barn the way that we did, that it would have been completely destroyed. Wow. So that's very, very fortunate. So, I mean, yeah. I, I know it's going to take a while and insurance adjusters have to come down and take a look at all that stuff, but do you have a, an, an estimate of of, uh, of what you can expect? I mean, it, it sounds like the structurally the, the building is going to be able to remain, but that you'll just have to redo some things on the inside. Yeah, I you know, honestly, we, we don't know. I can't imagine that I would have to tear down the, the whole structure, but uh, we need to pull in. Structural engineers, my insurance company, will be pulling in some building pro building professionals and structural engineers to do a thorough assessment of the extent of the damage, and then they will make a determination of whether it's um, you know a, a complete loss, which in many ways it is, but that doesn't always mean in insurance terms that you have to tear the building down. But there's definitely um, there's significant damage. But interestingly, the the flames kind of were, were isolated to the part of the barn that is closest to the road. Um, but the, the smoke, the smoke just permeated and uh, permeated everywhere. So it, the fire itself did not spread from the front of the barn to the back. It remained isolated under what was our new staircase. And I posted on Facebook, because I put out a media statement yesterday, I posted a video of what the barn looked like when it was complete so I mean, that people could just get an idea of of what it looked like. 
just absolutely beautiful too. Uh, just looking at what, what had been done. I mean, this this is an amazing space, and if you can even create something similar to this and refurbishing it, it's going to be amazing for people to be able to go there and take part in events. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, of course, it is. You know, I'm I'm heartbroken, but we are remaining positive, and. I know that it will be rebuilt, and it's just we're just going to be delayed on being able to offer it out again um, to the public. So that's that's how I'm seeing it. And you know, it's no one was hurt, no other property was hurt, no one was hurt trying to extinguish the flames. All of those things are the most important things. And, and, and so, the, the fire department damage can be fixed. Yep. I say, and from, from what I understand, the fire department, nobody was injured. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody suffered any issues, even like smoke inhalation issues that they were, you know, able to, everybody walked away totally fine from this, even, even in fighting the fire. Yes, that's my understanding. So, um, which is, which is a, a beautiful thing and how you want it. You know, we can, we can we rebuild their materials, right? We can rebuild and we will, and we will reoffer. Uh, another newly completed barn um, as quickly as we can. So did the fire investigators determine the cause? Yes. Uh, and that I want it to be known that it certainly was not caused by any of our hired contractors. So what, what they found was that, and we don't know who, um, someone had placed some uh, combustible, like oil-stained rags, disposed of them in a plastic bag that was filled with sawdust. And when you're working with certain combustible materials, you have to be extremely careful with how they're handled. And anyone, you know, who's in the trades, like they, they know this. And every homeowner should know this, by the way. When you buy a product, you need to read the label because they say, if they say highly combustible, they mean it. And, and so I, my understanding, these kind of things, unfortunately, happen often. People have no idea when they're using certain, certain materials. So I don't know if it was someone that was using a material or they just picked up rags and threw it in the bag. We don't know. All we know is that the fire originated in a plastic bag sitting on the floor of the barn near, near our exit, emergency exit near Round Top Road, and it spontaneously combusted. Um, and because the building was built so tight, it was so tight, we don't have a lot of windows, it took a while for, to even detect that there was a fire. So it had been going, and then you see, we have the video footage of the, of lights going out, and then you see this flash, and then you begin to see smoke coming out. So we, we didn't catch it the minute it started, but once it got caught, I mean, everyone flew into action because of, like, like I said, how the building was built just kept it in. Um, so that's what happened. Well, I, I know it's not historically significant uh, or historically accurate to do this, but are you, are you considering putting in a fire suppression system in the future? That'll be a conversation with the, uh, with the fire department. It was not required. Um, by the, it was not required by the state, but certainly something that I will need to consider, right? Um, so, yeah. And and of course, you know, uh, whenever there's a haunted property, uh, whenever there's a, a property that has a history that, in, in the case yeah. of the Conjuring House, has 
uh, some false history that's been propagated by the movie that you you get people that will say, oh, I'm not surprised, or oh, the spirits yeah. are getting their revenge, and yeah, uh, you know, and, yeah, yeah, all of that, and you know, people are very, very creative in the the stories, the narrative that they want to attach to events that happen. People can be very creative, and that, that is why in my statement, it wasn't Bathsheba, it wasn't the crooked, it wasn't any spirit. It was an accident, right? And we are in very good touch with our spirits, and we knew that our spirits, because we asked permission from them some, several times to describe what, what we wanted to do. And we know that John Arnold was very supportive of the barn, and he loved it. So... Um, so it wasn't our spirits. It was a human error. It, it, it doesn't help, though, when you got hack journalists over here in New Bedford writing articles about how, look at the license plate. It says 666. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know who might have done that. I have no idea. I have no idea, but I'm going to have a few words for him. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those things where you, you just scratch your head and you say, I can't. Out of all the, the trucks to respond and all the ones to be in the photo, you know, it's. Uh, is, it was. It was. I laughed. I, I thought that was. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, a little a little levity in a in a tense situation for sure. Yes, absolutely. So now that we're in the holiday season, what do you have going on over at the house this year? I mean, you know, we're we're business as usual. You know, we're not we're having a a big uh, staff Christmas party next week, so that'll be a, a fun event for all all of the staff to get together. But as far as uh, specific Christmas events for the house, we don't have anything specific other than just what our usual offerings are between the overnight investigations, gallery readings, tours, all the same stuff. And it seemed like your, your gamping experience, your, your camping outside on the property, uh, it seemed like that was very popular this summer. I'm, I'm going to assume that that will come back next year? Yes, and I will be. So for now, I've only posted our available calendar through May, and sometime coming up probably in January, I'll post the rest of our calendar for 2024. Yes, the gamping was a great success. People had a great time. And uh, a lot of people that just came to sleep in the tent, they were not paranormal investigators. They just wanted to come and sleep on the property at the Conjuring House. So it was really, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I look forward to making a lot of improvements to it for next year. But uh, definitely, we will... Gamping will be now a permanent fixture on our calendar. Awesome, awesome. Well, I look forward to getting down there again and hanging out with you all soon. And if anybody wants to book a, a tour or a paranormal investigation or any of that, it's all available at theconjuringhouse.com. Jacqueline, thank you for joining us this morning and for updating us on what's going on. I hope that it's a, it's a quick and easy rebuild for you. Thank you very much, Tim. I appreciate you having me on. All right, take care. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. That is Jacqueline Nunez, the owner of The Conjuring House. And, and really, that's the important thing here. The structure is okay, but the, the people are okay. Nobody involved in, in the house was hurt. Because uh, as you know, you know, when you are dealing with a fire, people just start acting on instinct. And a lot of times people will put themselves on at risk, especially when you are you know, caretaking for a place that is as historically significant as The Conjuring House. And also, by the way, is a place where... You know, it's a it's a business, too. In addition to being a place that they are keeping the history alive, you know, they also want to make sure that they can save that structure for the business purposes that they have intended with these events. So, you know, you act on emotion. Uh, you might not always make the smartest decisions, but everybody did things exactly the way they're supposed to. They contacted 
The fire department immediately, they were able to get there in time. It's very fortunate that the fire department is literally right down the street, right down Round Top Road. So easy for them to get over there. And they were able to get over there in time. And you heard Jacqueline talk about the number of trucks they had there. I mean, they other departments came uh, to help battle this to make sure that they could save this 200-plus-year-old barn. Actually, what, almost 222-year-old 200, barn. So uh, glad that everything worked out. And if you haven't had a chance to get over there and check it out, I recommend just going and taking the tour to walk through a house from the 1700s and to hear the history. And the real story, not what you see in the movie, is uh, is well worth the money of the tour. And also they let you poke around a little bit afterwards and kind of roam around so you can you know see if you have any kind of experience while you're there. All right, I do have to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. <laughs> You don't have to worry about holding the line at the butcher shop because they give you personalized service there. They give you that hometown neighborhood market feel. So when you go into the butcher shop and you are getting all of your holiday meats, maybe you're going to go pick up everything you're going to cook. Maybe you're going to have them cook it for you. Maybe you're going to have them just marinate it and get it ready for you to cook. Or maybe you're going to go in and get, say, a holiday platter, whatever it may be. You don't have to worry about it. You can make an arrangement with them as to when to pick it up, and they will take care of it. Eric will make sure that you get exactly what you want out of your butcher shop experience. And if you are looking to get something quick, something already made to eat, but that still is delicious and homemade, they cook up great prepared foods every single day so you can go there and have something different each day. They always make sure that they have things fresh and delicious for you when you come in. Make sure you get some of Maria's rice pudding, too. So good. So good. You can serve that to everybody up at your holiday party, and you will be the talk of all of 2024. Don't forget, too, to stop by the wine cellar. Get yourself beer or wine, whatever you need to accentuate your party or just have a party yourself. Whatever it is that you need, they have it all there. As I like to say, from steak to soccer balls and everything in between, check out the Butcher Shop, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford, and get yourself something delicious. All right, I do have to give away now to Ariel. She's going to give you all of the news of the day when we come back on the other side. 508-996-0500. We can talk more about some of the topics we've been having a discussion about this morning. The wind turbine. We can talk about the uh, high-end housing in New Bedford. We can talk about the former deputy fire chief. We can talk more about the city council and the executive session, whatever is on your mind. But right now, let's go into the newsroom with Ariel. 
battles are being reported between Israel and Hamas in southern Gaza. Witness reports say Israeli warplanes are bombing targets across the densely populated coast of Gaza in some of the heaviest fighting since the war began two months ago. Six people are dead and two officers are injured after a shooting spree in Texas. Authorities say the suspect killed four people in Austin on Tuesday and injured two officers and that the same gunman is also believed responsible for two deaths near San Antonio. Four Republican candidates will be on stage tonight for the fourth GOP presidential debate at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. The debate will include Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former South Carolina Governor and UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. At least two deaths are blamed on an atmospheric river that's been dumping heavy rain on the Pacific Northwest for three straight days. The National Weather Service says up to eight inches of rain has fallen across the region, causing creeks to rise and possibly killing two people who might have died in floodwaters. SAG-AFTRA members have voted to ratify their contract. The move means that the longest labor battle in Hollywood history is now officially over following a 118-day strike that was suspended after a tentative agreement was reached in early November. It's a salad that's actually a soup. Brie Tennis has details on National Gaspacho Day. The Portuguese created the soup called gazpacho, although its name is Spanish, and most Spanish cookbooks actually say it's a salad. But it's not. It's a cold soup made from blended vegetables from the 16th century. The Spanish added the tomatoes in the 19th century, and that's what we eat today. It's highly valued as a health food, as all those veggies are super-packed with vitamins and antioxidants. I'm Bree Tennis. In sports, after coming from behind to beat the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Bruins are hosting a division rival. The Black and Gold take on the Buffalo Sabres tomorrow night at TD Garden. The Celtics begin a five-game homestand Friday night when they host the New York Knicks at TD Garden. Friday night's battle is the third of five meetings between the Celtics and Knicks during the regular season. The Celtics have earned a victory through each of the first two games. And according to ESPN, Patriots Ramondre Stevenson suffered a high ankle sprain and is expected to miss a few weeks. Stevenson sustained the injury during the first quarter of their game against the Chargers after being hip drop tackled. The Patriots will turn to Ezekiel Elliott, who is in his first season in Foxborough as the leader in the backfield. New England will visit the Pittsburgh Steelers for Thursday night football at Acrisure Stadium. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. A lot of clouds will start off your Wednesday. There's even a slight chance of a snow shower this morning, mainly in easternmost areas of Massachusetts, but little to no accumulation is expected. Look for a high today of 37. For tonight, clearing and pretty cold with a low near 20 degrees. Every Thursday, mostly sunny, still chilly with a high near 38. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Kelly Bates on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Just 
little uh, that little ZZ top there goes out to Taylor Cormier, the executive producer of the Howie Car Show. Because the other day, uh, he was uh, discussing ZZ Top on the air when he was filling in for Howie. Um, I think it was with Jared he was having a discussion, but they were talking about ZZ Top and they were trying to figure out who the members of the band were. And it's easy to remember, Taylor. It's easy to remember. It's Billy Gibbons, Dusty Hill, Frank Beard. And you know how you can tell which one is which? I mean, you're on your own for Billy and Dusty figuring out the two of them. Dusty's the taller one. But um, it's easy to remember which one's Frank Beard because he's the only guy in the group that doesn't have a beard. So brilliant marketing on <laughs> the part of ZZ Top. And, of course, great music. WBSM wants to spread the holiday cheer by sharing out your holiday light displays. Once again, we are looking to light up the South Coast. Send us photos of your light displays, your lawn inflatables, and every other way you've decorated your yard and your home. Send them to us by selecting Light Up South Coast on WBSM.com or on the WBSM app. And then check out our gallery of light displays. It'll be rolling out later on this week, and you can plan your trip to see them all. Light Up South Coast on WBSM is brought to you by Mac Electric. And uh, so if you have those photos, make sure you send them in. We can add them into the gallery. And even if you if you decided that you're not going to set up your lights until closer to the holiday, maybe you're worried about the electric bill, so you're going to set those lights up uh, closer to Christmas, or maybe you were waiting to get some different lights and all of that, it, don't worry. You can keep sending it in throughout the holidays, and we'll just keep adding it in. So uh, it's not like you're under the gun. Once the, the gallery goes up, uh, we're going to have it for you just to check out. So you can go out there and see these homes, but we can always update it uh, if you send in those photos. So again, it's easy to do just at WBSM.com or on the app, just select the Light Up South Coast option. And there's an easy form there to give us your information so that we know, you know, to put where people can go and see your display and then your photo. Just keep in mind too that when you send that in, you are kind of giving us the okay to publish that photo and your address. We don't have to put your exact address, but just give us the street and the town so that we can send people over there. All right, 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in. You can also send in app chat messages on the WBSM app. Uh, give me one second here. I'm refreshing those app chat messages. Steve B. in Fairhaven says, Hi, Tim. Was listening earlier about the wind turbines in Fairhaven, and they are both working right now. I see them both going all the time just to let you know. And I can only see one where I am, so I'm... I'm at a disadvantage on that from from my seat. But uh, so, yeah, I just heard that the uh, residents were concerned when they put them in about having both of them run at once. So they had agreed to only run one at a time. So I don't know if that when that changed or if that never actually went into effect. And I believe I learned that from a caller. I think a caller told me that. So if I'm incorrect, I apologize. Um, but they do turn quite often in the overnight hours and early in the morning because I see them, you know, I might see them on uh, when I'm coming in here around quarter or six, 10 minutes to six, whenever I'm driving through here. And uh, then sometimes I'll see them on when I leave spooky South coast at, you know, one o'clock in the morning, but then during the day they might not be on. So it's all different times of day. So you might see them never moving and say, well, gee, they're, they're never on but it just might be happening at a time when you're not paying attention. Uh, 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in. Uh, someone sent an app chat message saying, you know, glad that the Conjuring House barn 
is going to remain standing because it would be a shame to lose something of that historical significance. And, and that's kind of the point. You know, it's, it's not just I know everybody's like, oh, Tim's the paranormal guy. He's going to talk about the, the haunted place that had a fire. I'm going to talk about any historic place that has an issue like that. Because number one, above all, the reason why I do the paranormal stuff is because of my love for history. So we're going to talk a lot about history on this program. And also we know that you, the audience, care about history. Whether it be something, you know, if I start talking about something, you start calling in. Uh, Barry will write an article about something. He has a great fire today, a great story today about the biggest fire in New Bedford history. And he's unearthing a lot of things that people might not have remembered or knew all the information about. So I love reading his articles every day. I'm working on one on Phillips Farm and the chicken and the sauce. Really just so I can rub it in that Jim gave me some of the sauce. No, no. It, uh, he wanted me to be able to try it to, to give him my professional food critic <laughs> opinion. And I have to say it's the best sauce I've ever used for chicken it, 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 for a dipping sauce. You know, it's not a coating sauce. It's a dipping sauce. Jim was very adamant about that, and we talked about that. And um, when I put the story out, you will be able to taste that Phillips Farm sauce in your mouth again, even if you haven't thought about it for years. I am going to take the next break. If you want to give me a call, 508-996-0500. Coming up at 9 a.m., Chris McCarthy will be broadcasting South Coast Now live from Lolly's Cafe. So you can go down there and have breakfast with Chris, hang out with Chris. He'll be there from 9 till noon. He will have a, a, an open microphone so that if you normally call into the program but you want to stop in and jump on the mic with him, you can do that. But, of course, you can also call in as well. And I'm looking forward to hearing about all the great food he's going to get to try over there because he never gets to go out to these. He's always back here as I'm coming back from some of the shows I do out at restaurants. And then by the time I come back with the food and I put it on the counter and he gets off the air at noon, folks have already come in and grabbed all the good stuff. So I'm glad Chris gets to experience it for once. But don't forget that I save you some things, Chris. I had a delicious club lolly sandwich yesterday. Ham, turkey, onion, tomato, lettuce, bacon, chipotle mayonnaise, and avocado. So good. I think there was cheese on it too. Such a great sandwich. But lots of great stuff over there. And you can get a special deal at 11 a.m. at SeizeTheDeal.com. We are going to have $50 in certificates to Lolly's Cafe for just 25 bucks. That goes live at 11 a.m. at SeizeTheDeal.com. All right. Going to take my next break. We'll be back in a few moments.
You know, that sounds like something from 1936, but it's actually from 1996. That Squirrel Nut Zippers put a lid on it. One of the songs that was a big part of the swing revival in the mid to late 90s. Uh, but speaking of putting a lid on it, uh, so as you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a special event down at Stevie's Wine and Spirits in Fairhaven, and I, I tried some different things, and I brought home a couple of bottles, and one of my corks in one of my bottles kind of cracked. And rather than, you know, try to put it back in and risk it breaking off and falling into the to the bottle of rye, I said, you know what, I'm going to get a decanter. I've never had a decanter before, and I've never used one. I always just pour things out of the bottle. And I said, oh, let me get a decanter. And so I went to, because I wanted to get something kind of old and antique-ish, so I went down to one of the antique stores in New Bedford, the one on the south end in, in Kilburn Mill, and I found a great one from the 1930s. And it was super affordable. I think it was like 20 bucks, 18 bucks. I forget how much it was. And it didn't have the stopper at the top. But I ended up finding another one for $8 that had a stopper that fit. So I was like, I'm just going to buy that other one and use the stopper for it. And so I poured the rye that was in this bottle into that decanter and put it on top. I have a little like bar cabinet thing in my home office. And so I put it on top of that and I took a photo and I was like, you know, when you need a decanter and you get a 19, an 1830s decanter at the antique shop for about 20 bucks, you know, that's, that's pretty good. And people were sending me articles and links and messages and about concerned about the fact that this is probably leaded glass and that you don't want to let drinks, you know, alcohol sit in leaded glass for too long because that lead can go into the drink. And I understand. I appreciate the concern. I don't know that it's going to stay in there long enough for that to be an issue. Um, and that's why I didn't fill the bottle completely, fill the decanter completely. So I only put enough in there that I think would be what I would drink. Then I just put something over the bottle. So I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be okay, but I will be aware of that and I'll just have to drink it faster. That's all. Uh, but it's, it's pretty cool to know that I have something now in my house that's almost 200 years old and it's hand cut glass. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. It's a beautiful piece. And the topper that I took from the other decanter actually fits in visually and aesthetically with it perfectly. So, and it's a perfect fit into the bottle. I tried the top of every decanter that they had in that antique place and there was a lot. And then this was the one that fit perfectly. So it's uh, it's nice. It looks nice. Nobody ever comes over, so it's not like anybody else is going to see it. But I like it. When I sit down in my chair and I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I'm classy. So, But it's just cool to have something that's 200 years old. And I just found it in New Bedford, and I paid like 20 bucks for it. So that's that's the beauty of being in this city, is that you can get historically significant pieces like that for short money because we've got history around us everywhere. Okay, well, you know where else they put a lid on it? When you go through the drive-thru at just another Phoenix restaurant because they have everything on the menu available through their takeout window so that when you see the white stuff coming down like it is today, you don't have to get out of your car to get your breakfast. You don't have to go inside and stay. You don't even have to get out to run in and grab it if it's all packaged up to go. You can get it right through the drive-thru window and not have to leave the warmth and, and dryness of your own vehicle. It's one of the great things that they have over at Just Another Phoenix, along with innovative specials, a great staff, 
and a desire to make sure that you are taken care of. So treat yourself as you're out there doing all your holiday shopping. Treat yourself to a meal at Just Another Phoenix, whether it's inside the restaurant or through the drive-thru. And uh, they are located on Fonz Corner Road in North Dartmouth, which means they're not that far from the mall, but far enough away from the mall that it's not full of everybody that's shopping at the mall. It's kind of your own little oasis, your own little respite from everything that's going on at all the, the shopping plazas in the town. Just Another Phoenix, Fonz Corner Road in North Dartmouth. Also got an app chat message from uh, Not Bad in Oak Bluffs who says, Good morning, Tim. Have you watched the new HBO documentary exploring Boston's infamous murder case and the racial tensions it stoked? Murder in Boston chronicles how on the night of October 23rd, 1989, Charles Stewart falsely claimed that a black man shot him and killed his pregnant wife, Carol, in a violent carjacking, leading to an intense manhunt targeting young black men all over the city. Yes, I remember the Charles Stewart case. I haven't seen that documentary yet. But I remember there was numerous TV movies that came out at the time. There have been other uh, specials that have been put on about this. But, of course, getting the HBO documentary treatment means it's going it's to be really, really good. So I will put that on my list of things to watch. I actually just finished the, the season of, it's a show called The Garden Commune or Cult about this commune that was featured on TikTok uh, during the pandemic and a lot of people started to question whether or not it's a cult, and this kind of explored that a little bit. Uh, that was pretty good, but it was also very reality showish. So um, I'm down for a good true crime documentary. So I will put that on my list uh, to check out. Uh, also, if you haven't seen the Mother God docu series on HBO and and Max, I recommend that too. Uh, Love has won the Cult of Mother God. Very, very, uh, very interesting and has local ties. All right. I do have to take one final break of the hour. We'll be back in just a few moments. Much talk with Tim, though, because I've only got a few seconds remaining before we're going to give away to Chris McCarthy, who is broadcasting live.